podcast one production. Margie, that's probably a tough question for me because I can't think of an interview where I didn't actually end up getting the job. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, as well as 11 of the top ASX listed companies. And this is Fast Track. Today, how to nail the job interview with my guest, Deborah Tag. Deborah is a chief officer of member experience at HCF. Job interviews can be really, really stressful and, frankly, a little bit awkward. You've got the psychometric testing that goes beforehand, intelligent people asking you intelligent questions, and you're worried about your first impressions. And I totally get it. It's high pressure. So to fast track on how to really nail the job interview and put your best foot forward, let's talk to Deborah Tagg. Deb's my role model when it comes to interviewing and being an interviewer. Every time we speak about interviews, she gives me really helpful insights and, frankly, her preparation is impeccable. Deb, as the Chief Officer Member Experience at HCF, Australia's largest not-for-profit health insurer, you have concentrated interviewing experience. And over the last 20 years, I've seen a lot of post-interview roadkill. Even the best of us have experienced it. When did you not nail a job interview, Deb? Well, Margie, that's probably a tough question for me because I can't think of an interview where I didn't actually end up getting the job. Wow. (laughs) So you've got a 100% success rate, which is exactly why you're here with me today, because I want to know this secret sauce, the ingredients and the formula that actually help us really get through. Well, I'm sure some luck was involved, but certainly preparation is absolutely key to nailing the interview. Okay, so tell me a bit about this preparation piece. What do we need to do? Okay, well, certainly there's the hygiene items, which we all know, but it's important not to overlook those. So the company, the industry, the people you're meeting with, and you have to think about all the resources you have available to explore that. So of course, you're looking at the website. If you have a stockbroker, you're asking for analyst reports. Who do you know that can help you? And think hard on this one. So LinkedIn, who's connected into the people you're meeting with? Uh, Who do you work with today that you trust that might have come from this company? So really being creative around how you get your head in the game around what are the challenges that company or that industry are facing? What are the people like that you're going to be interviewing with? What's on their mind? What are they looking for? Okay, let me just go back to the company piece because I Hmm. think that's sometimes the hardest piece to get underneath. You read an annual report. You can read some stuff on the internet. How deep do you have to go with that research? I don't think you have to go super deep. It depends on the role you're interviewing for, of course. If you're going for a, a key finance role, you certainly want to know the numbers back to front. But you do want to read the upfront piece from the chairman and the CEO to get a flavor of the language they're using. They will talk about the challenges they're experiencing. Get your head in the game with with where they're at. And you want to know what the initiatives are that they're driving and really get a high-level sense of their strategy. And that's going to help you not just prepare for their questions, but prepare for the questions you have of them as well. So I really like that, Deb, this idea of organizational research and going, you know, getting as many resources as you possibly can there. The next thing you mentioned were the people that you're going to be interviewing with. So do we always know who are the people who are going to interview us before we go into an interview? 
I always have, but that's a good good point. There might be times when you don't, but certainly there will be some form of middleman typically that you're dealing with. So it's either an outside agency or it's the HR department. And there's nothing wrong with calling the HR department and asking, who am I interviewing with? I want to be prepared. That sends a really strong message. And you go on to LinkedIn then and um, Google search for those names? Absolutely. And you can learn a lot from their LinkedIn profile and certainly from a Google search, but then also looking for who do you know that knows them that you can give a call to and, and ask questions around their style. Are they introvert? Are they extrovert? Is there anything you can find that you might have in common with that person? And not necessarily that you use that in the interview, but it helps you feel more at ease as you walk in the door because you know there's some common footing and maybe it will come up. Okay, this is great. So I'm going to research the organization and I'm going to research the people who I'm meeting with, whether it's the recruitment agency or the HR or the next level through the interview process, my potential boss. What about the job itself? Mm. What's the, you can read the job description, but that's often not got everything in it. Yeah. So I think re- do read the job description and anything else they give you back to front and look for those themes. What are they looking for? And you want to actually compare that against your background and your experience set. And every element they're looking for, thinking through, have you done this before? Or what else have you done in a prior role or a prior experience that would prepare you for that? What fresh thinking can you have? So just line item by line item, how would you walk in and handle that? And where there's a gap, thinking through in advance, how would you address that? Okay. So I've got my research on the organization, my research on the people. I'm spending a lot of time reading the job description, comparing it to my CV, checking through if there's anything I've missed on that. So what about personal preparation Mm. here we're talking about? How do I get myself in the right mindset, even like how am I turning up? I'm really interested in this because I think sort of belief can be 50% of the success rate. I'm so glad you asked me that, Margie. I think you're right. It's And I would say it's actually not 50%. I would say it's probably 90%. Wow. The other stuff we talked about is hygiene. Everyone does it. It's not really your opportunity to differentiate. But how you're going to differentiate is absolutely how you present yourself. Get really clear on your why. Why do you want this job? Why are you right for this job? And if you don't know those answers, you've got to keep digging and speak to someone you trust that can help you. Why do they think you would be great for this role? Sometimes we have blind spots around our strengths and what we can bring to bring to a particular challenge or opportunity. So make sure you're clear on your why and you bring that passion and energy through the door with you. Uh, visualizing, how are you going to enter this role? What are the challenges? All of those things that you've already researched, how are you going to present with that? What does your first 90 days look like? You should write that out. You should practice verbalizing that in front of a mirror. You should think about how are you going to walk in that room and own it? What are the things you need to do to be confident? What do you wear? Think about it in advance. So it depends what you wear, of course, for the the job you're going for in the setting. But if you need to, go to the building a week in advance and hang out and see what people wear into the office and then probably upgrade one level because you want to, if anything, err on the side of overdressing. 
That's such good advice, Deb. And there's so much, so much richness in there. The thing that I think is often overlooked is, strangely enough, how I present myself, what I wear. Now, I know that sounds crazy, as but you've saying it's really important. So I'm glad to hear you say that. I once interviewed, um, I was sitting on a panel for interviewing and the CEO was next to me. And at the end, they said, I didn't like that person because they were wearing jeans and no tie. So this was yeah. an interesting, they just had missed the whole sort of cadence of the environment that they were going into, which was interesting, you know? Mm, absolutely. And I think always err on the side of a bit more conservative and a bit more polished than even you think you might need to be. Because you're never going to get marked down for those things, but you will get marked down potentially for things that that strike a hot button with your interviewee. Yeah, so first, this whole idea of first impressions really matter, so be prepared. Mm. What are the other tips you've got about like the night before, a couple of days before? Because I know I always say to people, drink water, not alcohol, a couple of days before, you know, be at your best, get plenty of sleep. Absolutely. And regarding the what to wear, it should be ready to go the night before and thinking about your hydration, your sleep, and of course your food. Don't over-caffeinate on the day. Go treat yourself for that second coffee after the interview. Um, And thinking about what you eat, as ridiculous as that sounds, you do want to eat high protein, you want to avoid sugar, anything that's going to add to your nerves or anxiety before walking in. Mm. With the idea of nerves and anxiety in there, it's one of the things I want to really talk about as you walk in the room. What's the first thing I should do as I walk in that room? Because the focus is so intensely on myself, then all of a sudden you're faced with a group of people. Mm. And I think from my experience, that's when people often get it wrong. Yes, very true. First impressions do matter and you need to nail it. And if we actually just rewind to maybe the 30 minutes before we enter, arrive early. Make sure you plan to arrive 20 to 30 minutes early. There's no harm in getting there and waiting in the lobby. You have this beautiful opportunity to just connect with the people entering in and out of the lobby observe. You're not in a rush. Your physiology, you can settle. Might be listening to some classical music on your iPhone prior to entering. But it's important to think about that. How do you make sure you're in that peak state when you walk in the room? And then it's how do you own the room as you walk in? It's the eye contact. It's, of course, your posture, your energy you carry, uh, how you shake their hand, and be ready with your opening how you're going to, you know, break the ice and and sit down and and start that conversation. Okay, should should you can I ask a really detailed question yeah. here? Should should you go up and shake if everyone's sitting behind a table for example and you walk in the room, should you go and shake each person's yes. hand and say I'm Margie Hartley? Hi, I'm Margie Hartley to each of them and then have their names come back to you? Is that sort of the way that you should approach it? I think that you can play that by ear a little bit. Certainly you would hope they know who you are. They've got your CV in front of you. But absolutely, I would shake everyone's hand. Hi, I'm Deborah Tagg. And look them in the eye and smile. Make sure you remember to smile. If that's something you don't do naturally, practice this in the mirror before you go in that door. So the smile, that's about being relaxed and confident or? Yeah, and being personable and approachable. It just breaks the ice. It doesn't have to be the big cheesy smile, but just showing a bit of emotion 
Okay, so you're not frozen by fear by walking in the Mm. room. Yeah. So other things that are important to remember once you're in the room, I'm I'm interested in this high idea of building rapport. How long do you spend, you know, on the small talk? Now this might sound like a very detailed question, Deb, but I think these are important tips for nailing a job interview. How long do you spend, you know, chatting about the weather or how long it took you to come in on by the train? Personally, I let the interviewer take the lead on that. So I follow their cues. I'm always ready with, if if the room is silent, that there's a bit of beautiful day, isn't it? I'm ready with perhaps one line, but then I wait for them to be in the driver's seat, take charge of the interview and lay out what the process is. And then I work to that. Okay. So tell me some more about how this interview is going to fold out and any tips you've got here. Typically, they will set the process up front. And if they don't, I think you're perfectly within your right to to ask about that. You can mention, I have some questions. Is it best to save those for the end? Just so you're clear on, on what the flow of the schedule is. And in the event it wasn't made clear prior, you can ask, how long do we have for this meeting? Because that shows you're thinking ahead. You're not going to waste their time. And Also, it's really important to remember this is a two-way street. So as much as you think you want this job, this is your opportunity to evaluate fit for you. And if you keep that in mind, it helps keep the confidence uh, there as well. Okay, so if you've got the flow and you understand how the nature of the interview is going to go, you can obviously you've prepared some questions mm. for the for the organisation and the interviewers about the 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 job and the organisation. But it's really about um, setting all of those expectations up front and making sure you're clear about how it goes yes. forward. Okay, so what next? So when you're in the interview, it's really important to listen to their question carefully. If you don't understand it, ask for clarification. There's nothing worse than answering the wrong question or showing you don't, you're not capable of understanding the question or getting clarity. And be brief. To me, the biggest pet peeve is when someone comes in and they unpack the suitcase instead of the satchel. You really need to think about what's the essence of the question Answer it concisely. Share an example of where you've done this in the past. What were your results? And always, what did you learn from it? Show that awareness that you're always learning. You can take something away from every experience and step up that escalator. Okay, so so I was once um, at a leadership conference and one of the CEOs of the business got up and spoke about how they expected everybody to know their numbers and to bring numbers up front in the conversation and it was always needed to be fact-based. And then I heard someone say in an interview situation, oh, I always bring the numbers up front. So here's a question for you. How relevant are those facts and those numbers for you to know when you're coming in? And is it important to bring them up the front of, a, of an answer to a question? Are you talking about the numbers in terms of your results? Yeah. In what you've achieved? Yeah. So I lead 700 people. So if they say, tell me about your leadership, and you Mm. might say, I lead 700 people, 12 direct reports, and da-da-da. So rather than waiting till the end of that sentence and saying, I believe leadership is X, Y, Z, oh, and by the way, I run 700 people. I I just think this is an interesting idea Mm. about messaging and how you're going to answer the question. And I wondered whether you had an opinion on that. 
Yeah, absolutely. You have to think about what are the key points you want them to remember and what's going to grab their attention. And if you have some strong metrics for results or strong numbers, like leading a team of 700, that is going to grab their attention. So you lead with that, and then you can support with some of the anecdotal. Every question is different. Mm. And I think you don't have to be in a rush to answer. You can think about the question, what are they looking for? And what's the most salient information to lead with? So Deb, we've listened. We're in the interview. We're answering the question. And we've all been here. We muck it up. We falter. We have a little brain bubble and we don't know what we're going to do. Any help for us here? Yeah, that's a great question, Margie. And you're right. We all do it. And I've seen it many times as well. To me, we are all human and we need to remember that. And to show that is actually a positive. So if you make a mistake in the interview, I think admit it. Just say, I think I didn't answer that question as well as I could have, or I didn't do it justice. I'd like to give it another go. And I think it's okay to admit you're nervous. You're human. I'm really excited about this job. I am a bit nervous. I'd like to just answer that question a little more concisely and then nail it the second time. So you interview a lot of people and Mm. you do it very successfully and you've been interviewed 100% success rate. What are some of the other derailers? Like we fault, we have the moment where we forget things, but what are some of the derailers we might be able to mitigate if we're prepared? Well, as I mentioned, don't over answer the question. Be brief. You can wait for them to ask you follow-up questions. There's nothing more annoying than the interviewee dominating by adding things ad nauseum that weren't asked about. Uh, I think it insults the intelligence of the interviewer. So I would really put a caution out for that. And if it's something you have a challenge with, then practice your Q&A in advance in front of a mirror. Another thing, don't do anything to indicate your high maintenance. I've seen candidates come in and they're asking so many questions around what their desk size is going to be, what their title is, things that are getting into a bit of the nitty gritty. And are those fundamental to understanding whether or not you want the role? Put those questions on the back burner, find another opportunity to get those questions answered, but don't waste valuable interview time on questions like that. Mm. Um, Something else I would say is be prepared. You know you're going to get it. What are your weaknesses? Don't dodge that question and don't give some bull answer that isn't a real answer. I love this, Deb, because it was a question I wanted to ask Mm. you in a minute because I know that everyone says, oh, I'm going to prepare that my strengths question and I'm going to prepare my weaknesses question. I'm going to say, oh, I'm not particularly good at networking or I tend to work too hard, which is really, as you say, a bullshit answer because it's just actually wrapping up a weakness as a strength, a strength as a weakness. Mm. Uh, yeah. So what, what do we, how do we answer that? Well, that's an interesting point you make, a strength as a weakness, because I do believe your strengths can and quite often do show up as weaknesses, but it's how you articulate what that weakness is. Okay. So the work too hard example, if someone did present that, but they presented it in a way that I work too hard and as a result, I sometimes 
don't get the best out of my team or I'm doing work that they should really be doing. So if they carry it through and explain how that presents itself as a potential weakness, and then they also talk about what they do to be aware of it and what they do to mitigate it, then that gets a tick. But it's where they just, they throw it out there and it you haven't thought it through. Every one of us has development areas. And if you aren't self-aware on your development areas, how can you possibly lead a team? How can you possibly coach that team on their development areas? To me, I would never hire someone that can't nail that question. So, Deb, at the end, you're going to ask the panel some questions. How many? What sort of questions should you ask? You know, you've touched on it briefly, but I'd love just a couple of tips on those questions back to the panel. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is an important one too. Don't ever not ask questions because that sends the message that you haven't thought it through in advance or you're not really that interested. So I would say have three strategic, you know, meaty questions prepared. Now, those questions might change as you learn through the interview, but I would be asking something around the leader you're going to be reporting to. What's their leadership style? What are they looking for? What type of culture are they wanting to build? I would certainly be asking something around the, what does success look like for you in this role? In the role. I kind of like that question. Yep. And at probably something around the biggest challenges that you see, what keeps you awake at night? And anything you can do that is putting yourself in the shoes of them, getting their perspective, that is gold. And sometimes you'll have the opportunity to get one of those questions in before the end of the interview. And that can change everything because it really helps you frame your answers. And a point I didn't mention earlier around Uh, tips through the process. If you can hone into their language, whether it's anything from what you read in the job spec or the advertisement or any language or hot buttons they're expressing through the process, and you can use their language and incorporate that in your answers, that really helps with that rapport building. Okay, fantastic. So I've walked out the door, I've said Mm. thank you, I've smiled and I've gone out to get that second cup of coffee, which I've held off on for the last half an hour while (laughs) 45 minutes while I've been in the meeting. Do I have any responsibility after that meeting? Do I need to do anything? Do I thank people? What's your thoughts on that? I don't think you need to, but I think you absolutely should because you don't want to be like everyone else. So if you want that role, then yes, why would you waste that opportunity? So either get their email address, you probably can figure it out, but if you can't, you can you can ring HR and get it and explain why you want it, or you can connect via LinkedIn. But send a short thank you note. You, this is a perfect opportunity to re-emphasize. You mentioned you're looking for this, you know, re-emphasize that experience you can bring and re-emphasize your passion for the role, your excitement for the role. Don't be afraid. And you can do this before you walk out the door as well to, you know, if I use the sales terminology, to close the deal. And that doesn't mean to be you're asking for the job, but it can be letting them know you want the job. You're excited. The, the challenges really excite you. Really hope I get that opportunity to work with you. And reiterate that in your follow-up. And I would do that with every single person you interviewed with. Don't just do it with the person you're going to report to because many companies will form a panel and discuss candidates and you want as many 
voices in your camp as possible. And if you don't get the job, they're going to be advocates later, hopefully, because you've behaved well and professionally. Is that? Absolutely. I just interviewed for a role recently and someone who didn't get put through to the shortlist, he was a fabulous candidate, but it was a really competitive role. And he wrote me a lovely note via LinkedIn afterward to say, I was really disappointed. I was so excited about the opportunity, but wish you all the best. It's a, it's a great opportunity and would love to stay connected. And that, I, I will probably work with that person at some stage. You don't know where things go, but that has left such a mark. That's so great. And maybe someone will ask you about good people that you know, and you'll be able to recommend them onto the job. I have so enjoyed these tips and these ideas. I knew that you'd be able to fast track us through on how to nail a job interview, Deb. And thanks so much. So remember, make good choices um, by preparing and researching thoroughly, being rested, being ready and being yourself. And remember, you can nail the job interview. Fast Track is recorded in the studios of Podcast One Australia. The producer is Brooke Carrigan, audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au.